the only thing more exhausting than having a mental illness is pretending you don't. My guest today is here to talk to us about how she helped herself and is now helping so many others. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Unapologetically KK. My guest today is Helen Hope, who is the founder of a rebel fashion brand called Heart Knox. Hello, Helen, and welcome to Unapologetically KK. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Hi. So, Helen, we have to talk about the experiences you've had with mental illness um, and, and how you've come out of it and how you're helping so many other people. You experienced chronic anxiety and panic attacks, and you have turned that into something positive. So tell us something about that, how yeah, it started. So, um, yeah, so my journey started probably about a year ago. Um, I've been in the Middle East now for about two and a half, well, four years in Qatar and two and a half in Dubai. Right. Um, and obviously th- during the time that I was in Dubai, Dubai um I went through a bit of a journey in terms of getting settled here first of all which was which was hard you mm-hmm. know it's, it's always hard moving to a new country and kind of um meeting new people and finding starting friends over and starting over yeah, yeah exactly and um I was still with the same company when I moved over but um we were going through a lot of restructuring mm-hmm. um and that for a really long time I knew that that role was wasn't right for me but I was just sort of going through the daily motions every day trying to continue doing what I was doing just to get a salary suppose like a lot of people do were you struggling with things at that time yeah I think I I mean I I look back now and I laugh like I'm really good friends with my old boss um and she actually does a lot of um collaboration work things with me at the moment and um I look back and you know I kind of laugh sometimes when I look at the the work situations and I was in quite uh, a senior position but Mm -hmm. I would go into work and I would I would be crying all the time I found it really difficult to sort of um keep a hold on my emotions I suppose if you like you know within this position and I I always felt um a little bit exposed because of that because I never really it was like I never knew who I was going to get that day you know it didn't matter if I woke up which version of you yeah exactly you were going to get and I think I would wake up in the morning and I would go to work and I might feel positive that day going into work but I think anybody who's really, really struggled with um, their mental health will know that it's it's not about being happy all the time or being sad all the time. Right. Sometimes it can just be a case of like, you don't know how to channel your own emotions or how to invest that energy into other things. And I was going into work anyway, and I was feeling very emotional. And that was when I started to recognize that I maybe had a bit of an issue. So I started to go and see a therapist. Um, mm-hmm. This was about two years ago before I reached Dubai back in Qatar. And I had a really amazing therapist that I, I had plenty of sessions with. What got you to the point where you actually thought that I need to go to a therapist? What did that feel yeah. like? Um, this, the physical symptoms probably. Um, at the time, I thought I had vertigo. Right. So uh, I'd been to a, a psychiatrist, a doctor, a regular doctor who'd... Um, a GP. Yeah, a regular GP who'd asked me to go and see um, a psychiatrist mm-hmm. um, because I got emotional in the doctor's uh, uh, office oh, as well. Yeah. And, and that was what kind of like prompted me to go and see a therapist because she was like, you can't just keep coming to me you know, and mm-hmm. not talking about your feelings. Like you need to actually talk to somebody. So that was the first time, uh, you know, anybody had ever 
made me think I needed to go to a therapist. Made you aware that there's a problem that's underlying, you know. Yeah, I think I just assumed like that I was just this, a bit of a weirdo, you know, like that was overly emotional. And like people who went to therapists weren't people like me. It was people who'd had really tragic, you know, life experiences. Traumatic life experiences. Not just, you know, I like to think of myself as quite like a normal, regular kind of girl, like everyday kind of girl. I've not had... um, you know, I've had a past and like everybody's had struggles like in life, like uh, my struggles are no different, but I wouldn't say that anything deeply, deeply traumatic has, has happened to me. Yeah. Uh, like some of the stories that I hear through me- mental health is trending now that the page that I'm running. But, um, after going to see that, um, therapist for two years, I started to feel a lot better. And I thought that was me done. I thought, right, yeah. I've seen a therapist now, I'm well. Um, and I was very well for a really long time, but then th- this brings me back on to moving to Dubai. So the the sort of restructure of my life and kind of trying to find my place again in the, this new country, mm-hmm. um, I suppose, triggered it off again for me. And then as my company was going through difficult times and letting people off, mm-hmm. there was just this general negative energy around me constantly because of the position that I was in um, with work. So that I got made redundant from that role, really struggled um, for six months to find another job. And that is really hard on you. I think you to try and stay positive, first of all, but also yes. to try and um, remember that you what what you were good at before, yeah. um, you are still good at it. It just might not be the right time or the circumstance for, or the opportunity might not have arisen for you. Absolutely. Looking for a job is physically and emotionally draining and then you have so many things to think about in terms of maintaining your lifestyle while you're looking for a job and it's the rejection of it all isn't it you keep going and keep looking and you feel at some point in your life why am I doing this why am I in this place and if you've already struggled with anxiety or depression that becomes even more confusing mm. because you can't understand what you're going through it's just like another layer to add to your problems isn't it and um so after six months, I finally got what I thought would be my dream job. Um, mm-hmm. I got offered a off, offered a position at a company, like a local company. And within the first day of working there, I realized this just wasn't for me. Like I knew in my, mm-hmm. you know, my being or whatever that you want to call yeah, it, yeah. my sense that like this job wasn't for me, but I stuck it out for six months. And then at the end of the six months, they basically said they weren't going to keep me on. And in a way that was a blessing and yes. a curse at the same time because deep down in my heart I knew that it wasn't the right job for me but I was back to swear one again so yes. that was when things really st- sort of took a turn for the worse then because I kind of like sp- spiraled into this hopelessness which is mm-hmm. quite funny because my surname's Hope so like <laughs> to be hopeless and hear the word hope every day when someone says your name wow. is is a weird thing as well like yes. psychologically <laughs> like yes, you yes. almost feel a guilt because and you, you don't feel- even think about it till it hits you and you, no. you're like <clears throat> why am I feeling this way? Yeah. Is it, is it the confusion of, of not being able to understand your own feelings that, that takes you, you know, even lower and to an even darker place? I think I've always had quite like a high level of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm quite good at sort of judging other people. If someone's down or if they've got a sadness about them, I pick up, up on that very easily. But I think that's because of my own experiences. Yes. And I think like, I'm very good at like, helping other people but I'm not very good at helping myself and um at that time I was just in this state where I I just didn't know how to help myself um my physical symptoms had like surfaced to be that bad that I couldn't even walk um 
for anybody that's either does does know about anxiety or doesn't know about anxiety um it can surface in different ways um different physical symptoms yeah um and mine was very much a shaking feeling in my head Mm -hmm. so it felt like the only way I can describe it to to you is if somebody was spinning the chair that you're sitting on right now um it felt like it felt like vertigo constantly um and I've got a history of um my my grandfather passed away when I was really, before I was even born of a brain tumor. So not having that, um, you know, an answer to Mm -hmm. what was going on. I mean, I went to, I went to the hospital here because I collapsed in the mall. Um, I was trying to get up and go around and carry on my day, but I just struggled. And it got to the point where in my relationship, I was lying to the people around me um, who were supporting me saying, yeah, I'm getting up in the morning I'm getting dressed or I'm doing things but I just wasn't because it was too hard that adds another layer of stress on top because you're pretending to be okay and only you know what you're going through and what you're feeling yeah and I I think that was it I I kind of felt like I was letting other people down by I always say the guilt because they've invested so much time in listening to my problems and like you know trying to help me and then I'm almost not taking their advice because right. I, I, I couldn't yes um so yeah I mean it got to the point then where I was sort of staying in bed and if you know it was an achievement for me some days to just get to the sofa you know from the bed because it was that bad I wasn't washing yeah. <laughs> you know um yeah. I liked um you know and you didn't have work so you you know there's no, no reason to no wake purpose. up in the morning and go anywhere and I, do something I felt as well because I didn't, after the experience that I'd had in terms of the two roles that I'd lost, there was nothing other than a financial reason for Mm -hmm. pushing me to want to go back to do that again, because I just felt worthless. I felt like, well, if they didn't want me, why would anybody else want me? Yeah, I'm no no good at that. When actually there was lots of skills that I was really good at, but I just couldn't see through the depression that I was experiencing. Um, so I went to the doctors and I went to hospital and they did tests. I had ECGs done. I had brain scans. Everything came back clear. And that in itself was even more frustrating because they weren't giving me answers to tell me what was wrong with me. They were almost exactly just looking at me like, like yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've had a similar experience. Yeah. And I totally understand what you're saying. And in the hospital, the guy was like looking at me basically like, okay, we're done with you now. Get up out the bed and, and on your way, off your pop. It's in your head. Yeah. You're fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with you. But he didn't even say that to me. He didn't even say it's in your head. If he, maybe if he just said that to me, I might have felt a little bit like, okay, there's something deeper within me that I need to like look at. But he didn't even say that. He was like, there's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, but I was like, but I don't feel good. There's just something, there's something really wrong. Yes. And um, that carried on for, without having an answer for probably another three weeks. Um, My mum was when FaceTime, you could use FaceTime here quite easily. Um, That also adds a layer of uh, stress, I think, as well out here because, you, you, you no way of contacting your family sometimes, you know, like, well, you've got no job. You can't pay for these fancy tools to speak yeah. to people. Um, what was your support structure here then? Um, my boyfriend was a massive one, but quite honestly, like I pushed everybody away because I couldn't date what you've just said now about the responsibility of making sure it felt like pressure having people support me because yes. I felt like I was letting them down because I knew I couldn't, I, I had to help myself. It wasn't about, you can give advice to as many people as you want, but the, they're living their own experience in their own life. And unless they want to put those tools into action, yeah. you know, there's only no so, one can help you no, unless you want to exactly. help yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So my, 
I remember this day so clearly because it was the one day that I'd decided that I was I was trying to push myself to get up so I decided I was going to have a bath and I sat in this bath till it was ice cold because mm-hmm. I couldn't get out of the bath like I just physically couldn't make myself do it yeah and my mum uh whatsapped me I was in the bath and I read a message and she was like we just had a conversation on FaceTime and she said you just need to come home she was like I'm going to pay for your flight to come home she was like don't look because I, I think at the time I was like I've I've lost you know like I've mm. um I saw it as almost like a battle within myself. If I gave up and I went home, that was me giving up on Dubai and everything that I'd worked so hard for. Yeah. So um, I was really resistant to this. I mm-hmm. didn't want to go home and accept defeat to the fact that I needed help, but yeah. I knew what else could I do? So I got on the plane, went back to the UK and the first day that I arrived back, my mum took me straight to the GP um, and I burst into tears straight away before I could even get a word out my mouth. And right. um she said, I, like everything you've said in terms of the symptoms, you've got chronic anxiety and panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And I remember when she told me feeling just this like first reaction was being really angry mm-hmm. because I was like, no, hang on a minute. How can it be something that simple? I've suffered for all these months and no one's told me this. Right. I've been to all these different um, professionals yes. out here, spent thousands of dirhams because I didn't have medical cover. How can it be something that simple? And how have I not heard anybody else? You know, I've heard people suffering from depression. I've heard people talk about, oh, I've got anxiety. Mm-hmm. But how did I not know that that manifested in the symptoms that it did? Right. And um, no one told you, you no know, one, maybe no. this is who you should see. No, no. Like Not fr- even a maybe. Fr- friends and family were like, you know, like loosely, like you don't seem yourself. Like maybe you need to go and like have a talk with somebody. But I think they knew because I didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, it wasn't an option. Right. Uh, you know, it's very expensive to... To, it is to very expensive. any kind of treatment like that is you know you're not even if you've got medical cover you're not covered for therapy a lot of the the drugs that you you need you're not covered for them either yes. so um I did had I was six months back in the UK in total the first three months I probably just watched The Bachelor back to back I was just <laughs> literally sat on my sofa like um like a zombie, like a total couch potato. And the only thing that I could think about that day was whether I was going to have a hot cross brum for breakfast or I was going to have toast. You know, that was kind of like the hardest decision that I had to make in the day. Um, And because I am quite a creative person, like having that peace and like that, the pressure was just taken off me. And not everybody is that fortunate. I'm so fortunate that I had people to support me like that. And I had a roof over my head without the pressure of paying bills or anything like that. Right. That taking that pressure off me um, allowed me to sort of like reconnect with myself again and mm-hmm. remind myself of what it was I was good at. Um, you know, I, it was a lot of self-talk. I had yes. to tell myself every day, you know, like, you know, it was it, it's hilarious now looking back at it because I signed up for all these like online courses for like Excel and all the things that I felt like... Um, I struggled with in my previous career. Right. I started trying to do these courses online and I felt like I was almost staring into space. Like I was listening to what was being said to me, yeah. but I just couldn't take it in. And the, and the reason for that was, is because that wasn't my purpose. That's not what I'm supposed to do because mm. if it was, it would give me some kind of joy and it would make me feel happy. Yes. So then I started to think, well, what is it that makes me happy? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started funny lots of funny conversations with my sister my sister's absolutely brilliant and like total you know like if if anyone's ever had 
a, a relation like a therapist in terms of a friend or mm-hmm. you know somebody yeah. that you've not paid she's my ultimate cal- counselor someone who doesn't judge you and who Absolutely, you can be yourself yeah. with yeah yes. And uh, there was a night where we were just sat under the covers at home. Uh, she'd stayed over like we were teenagers again. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't this like 33-year-old adult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was this teenager again with my sister just having a laugh. And we were having this chat, girly chat under our bed covers. And she said, you know, you need to do something mm. that helps you with your creativity because that's what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why? what about if I start writing? Because that helps me journal, you know, and like get mm-hmm. my feelings out. Yeah. And she was like, okay, we'll start a blog. Why don't you start a blog then? So that's how the name Heart Knocks came around because initially it was going to be a mental health blog for me to just journal my feelings. Yeah. And then I But that's of, a very brave thing to do. Do you think? Because mental health is a very confusing place and you yeah. don't know if what you're saying is right. makes any sense. Yeah. It's a just it what didn't. you feel. <laughs> yeah. You only know what you feel. Yeah. And then putting yourself out there Yeah. Uh, when you're in that space is a very brave thing to do. And, and you know, from everything that you've said, the support, you need to be in a secure place. Yeah. You need to feel safe to say, there are people who love me. Mm-hmm. I need to do better. I can do better. Look, I think, as I say, like I was very fortunate mm-hmm. in terms of the support that I had, but what I've done is not for everybody. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even suggest it's for everybody either. I think you need to look inwardly and find what it is that excites you and, yeah. and channel, you know, like just because you've suffered mental health, that might not be what your purpose is to talk about mental health. You know, of course. it was for me because I just felt after what had happened to me, I just felt so passionate about it. Like, mm-hmm. and I found myself online constantly researching things. Um, and I, the hot, the, through this whole journey that I've had of like launching my business and, you know, it went from being a blog to having quite a cool little name that was associated to my anxiety, Heart knocks, mm-hmm. to then being, hang on, how can I monetize this? I did my t-shirts in. That was then where I found my passion because I was back to doing what I loved doing without the pressure of somebody telling me that I couldn't do it. Yeah. So it was like, if I was to do my career again without the judgment of anybody else, how would I do it for me? Yes. And then that was where I started to feel like I want to have a purpose-led business. Mm-hmm something that um, gives back to other people that helps people because I felt like I was lacking that support yeah maybe not necessarily always lacking it but pushing it away I think your family um, doesn't necessarily they're there to support you but they yeah. don't necessarily understand absolutely what you're going through yeah. and then when you reach out and have a support group that understands or has been through something oh, yeah, similar tell me about it. Um, that is another type of support yeah. that that really gets you out because one thing that you feel when you are going through mental illness is isolated yeah you feel you're the only person who's going through this you feel you're the only person who doesn't belong yeah you feel you know there is nothing and out there for me. There is no one out there for me. Yes, I have my family. Yes, they love me. But somehow it it takes a lot for that to get through. Do you know, it's really funny that you've said that because the, the reason why it took me as long as it did to get to where I did was mm-hmm. because my, if you look at my parents, like very stiffer upper lip English kind of a bit, um, mentality like mm-hmm. my dad I only found out whilst I was at home and I was going through what I was going through that my own grandmother had been sectioned when I several times when I was younger mm-hmm. I had no idea about my family history at all in terms of mental health because it just wasn't spoken about and 
initially when I went home that was the reaction kind of it was kind of like now you're home what do we do with you you know they didn't know because they're not experts exactly and they're human as well um they wanted to help me but you know they don't have the tools they don't they they only have love and support but they don't have the tools and you do need somebody to and I think acknowledge yeah what you're going through yeah and to tell you it's okay yeah. You can be okay. You will be okay. So that requires a different type of help yeah, for sure. And it, I got that help through, um, I made a conscious decision once I got my business idea, my sister's background, the, the sister, same sister that I was just mm-hmm. been talking about, um, was it, she works for a marketing agency in the UK. Right. She was very adamant that she wanted to get her business involved doing with what I was doing to support me. Mm -hmm. So we made the decision that I was going to go live with, um, my own sharing my own story on Mm -hmm. the first of the UK mental health month. So, um, I shared a post on my social media, um, my own personal profile. I had six months off social media completely because I just didn't want to show the world anything to do with me. Of course. Um, I was ashamed, you know, like that I was going through what I was going mm-hmm. through. I, I thought nobody else was going through what I was going through. Yeah. And I shared this post and the response was just like, even now, like I look back at it and I'm, I actually laugh, like, because if all of those people had have spoken to me mm-hmm. going through my time of need, I probably would, it, we could have fast forwarded maybe six to eight months, mm-hmm. but because I didn't have that, I, um, we are where we are. Yeah. But, um, I ended up setting up a bit of a WhatsApp chat group with a couple of people who'd reached out to me, old friends or relatives of friends that told them to reach out to me. And we started talking on this WhatsApp group. And Mm -hmm. then mental health is trending is the cause. Um, It's the way I describe it is it's my warrior wall. Yeah. So anybody that wants to share their story like I did Mm -hmm. um, on the warrior wall to share with other people that, you know, it's the cliche term, but it's okay not to be okay. It's okay um, not to be okay. Yeah. I love it. Totally. And, um, you know, that meant we want to get mental health awareness trending, mm-hmm. mental illness and mental health are two very different things. And I just want to be really clear on the fact that when I say the word trending, I'm not saying I want mental illness to be trendy. It's no. I want mental health awareness the, to let's talk about and it. talk about yeah, it. Let's not have to hide. Yeah. Let's not, you know, be ashamed. Let's say we are struggling. Let's go out yeah. there and get help. It should be when you have a broken bone, nobody turns around and says, don't go to a doctor. When There's nothing wrong with you. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody says that to no. you. The fact that the symptoms of mental health are not visible. Yeah you know, to, to people other than yourself is what the problem is. Like you had physical symptoms and that's why you knew that it got into a stage where it was not manageable, but there are a lot of people who are struggling, who don't have physical symptoms that are so extreme. You know, maybe it's a little bit of, uh, maybe it's a mini panic attack. Like yeah. they, they, they think it's claustrophobia. Uh, oh, I can't breathe in closed spaces. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel a little bit uncomfortable when I'm in this situation. When I go into a room full of people I don't know, I just feel a little bit. And everyone feels that. Yeah, but it's natural. Unless it's extreme, unless mm-hmm. it actually stops you living your life, you don't see it as a problem. Yeah. And it doesn't have to get to that stage. I think... Yeah. Um, what's been a real eye opener for me with the whole warrior wall is that it's such a spectrum, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can have somebody and not, 
none of them any worse or any better than each other. Absolutely. It's just as bad. But obviously some some things are either more physical, so it comes yeah. out more physical and some are more, more hidden. Mm-hmm. And I think like it's been such a learning curve for me because I read all these posts and some of them are just so heart-wrenching because yes. you, you see these people suffering. And I think now I'm at the stage where like, for anybody, I don't know any human being that if they see somebody suffering mm. and they really f- feel a connection with that person that they can sit back and just like, watch it happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's the stage that I'm at now is that like mental health is trending is, has really blown up. I mean, we've got 16.2 thousand followers now in the space of less than a year. It's been about 10 months and that's all organic. So you know that that's they, these are real people yes, who have got with um, real stories, real stories, uh, real struggles. Absolutely, yeah. and and I feel like the biggest problem is the need people have to say everything is great. Yeah, you know, I mean, when people talk to me and they ask me whether it's about my business or whether it's about my life, and you know, I would say, yeah, I'm struggling a bit. Yeah, and they're like, really? Yeah, you know, it doesn't show. Well, it's not you asked me so i'm being honest about it yeah. and and i don't know what shows and what doesn't show but i'm not going to pretend to say something yeah and say everything is great oh my god everything is amazing no you struggle everyone struggles yeah. and that's the one thing we have in common i feel yeah um and and to just you know be able to say that to somebody is is freedom yeah to me to say Massively. i don't need to pretend yeah. i don't need to say because if i say everything is great when it's not now i have to make it great yeah which in some ways can <laughs> be you know you put a, more pressure on a yourself. motivation yeah but most of the times it isn't it's pressure i've gone through a real personal evolution in probably the last four months where i've gone from using my own personal platform as a way of speaking about what i've been doing mm-hmm. to then having a real conscience about it because I don't want people to think that like I'm living my life behind a screen, if you know what I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, that I am still a real person. I try to be as honest as possible about the highs and the lows yeah. of what I'm going through. But at the same time, where my conscience is kicking in now is that I know social media creates a trigger for people. Mm-hmm. So I, in a way, I'm encouraging them to spend more time on social media by viewing what I'm doing. Um, and that's a real kind of, it's it's a fact of life like you yeah. know social media is a huge marketing tool now that we've we've all got so accustomed to using yeah but I think the people who use it now need to start thinking about like what it is they're projecting and what they're putting out there to people because that is essentially what's creating the pro- problems for people it's this living your life on Instagram mm. or on you know it's it's again it's such a cliched thing but it's living your life for other people not for your own yeah. happiness yeah um so now I've got to a stage where as much as like I love mental health is trending and I still think it's doing really great things I want to do more mm-hmm. um I get so many messages of people saying either how can I help or I want to get involved Absolutely. how can I what help can I do or yeah how can you help me? Mm. And I don't claim to have all the answers, you know, um, it's still, it's still a baby. Like this yeah. is, this whole project is such a tiny little baby, but, um, the next step on from that now is creating these sort of, um, we're, we're calling the event, the safe space project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to launch it here in Dubai. And um, so we had our first meeting last night. Um, I've had, so many emails um, of people that want to get involved with it already, but we had 14 people turn up and that for me, even in itself was like a massive victory, you know? Yeah. And it was such an emotive evening. I mean, we had people crying, you know, because it was the first time they'd either opened up about it. Mm. Um, 
it was really beautiful actually like just to see all these people being really honest about their situations and every single one of them felt um the same way as I did in terms of wanting to do something that's not for profit supporting people at creating something that's for everybody within the the community well creating Um, a safe space where someone can come in and just have a conversation is is a big step forward yeah yeah. I think that's that's what people lack yeah They, they don't know where to go who to talk to um and and sometimes they feel that the people that they know Will judge, uh, will judge them and yeah. they don't want to, you know, talk about their problems in such a way where it affects their relationship. I think as well, you know, what we were talking about earlier in terms of people not being able to relate, you know, I've never suffered from, um, I don't know, I've not, not got any children, so I've never suffered from postnatal depression. That's not something I can mm-hmm. personally relate to, but I understand it's a really difficult thing to go through. Yeah. But if I was to have somebody in my community group that has that and I can buddy them up with somebody else who's going through the same thing right there's no judgment there from that person and I think that's where the the feeling of judgment comes from because it doesn't mean to say that they don't empathize with you Mm. they just might not know in the same way my parents didn't how to help you yeah and I think that's why this is so important now and also um I was talking earlier um about to somebody else about how um at schools we should be teaching this to kids to say you should your purpose and how you feel about yourself is is driven usually by doing something good for other people and Mm. um I think children should be taught at school to have their own projects that they work on from a very early age where they're doing something to give back to the community because that's where they get their sense of worth from it's not from the things that they buy in the malls or you know all these other um yeah it's not from materialistic material things things, now and i think that's that's what society as a whole is is lacking and craving um i think people want that feeling back of sense of community and i think they want that feeling of they're part of something and that they're a valued part of something not just you know you can be part of an instagram page but um what are you contributing to that? Yeah. Like, if you leave, no one knows. No one knows no one exactly. Cares. No one cares. But if you're part yeah. of a group and your face has been showing every single week, and the, the, the funny thing was when I initially set the group up, people were saying, "Oh, can I call you? I've got so much to tell you. I want to have this conversation." And I was like, "No, I don't want to talk to anybody on the phone. This is going to be face-to-face communication. Mm. We're going to all talk about this together because a, I don't want to have to repeat myself, mm. um, but I want everybody else to get the value out of what you're talking about too." Yeah. Um, and the first event happened last night, and it was just amazing. So I'm so excited now to see like where this goes from here, and to get more people involved. So if there's anybody listening um, today who's interested in getting involved in safe space. Um, feel free to reach out to me over my email address. Um, my email address is info at heartknocks.com. Mm-hmm. Um, just drop me an email and tell me, um, you know, what your interest is in it and how you want to be involved. And this doesn't have to be somebody who has struggled with mental health. It could be somebody who's had a friend that struggled with it and they feel passionate about it. We need as many skills as possible. Mm. It's not about being a psychiatrist. It's not about being a wellness coach, a yeah. yoga coach. It, you could be really experienced in marketing. You could be really experienced in teaching um, or coaching. You mm-hmm. know, there's any, any career that that um, industry mm. can bring something to what we are doing right now. So um, yeah, if any anyone's listening to this and they want, want to get involved, they should definitely reach out to me. Well, that's amazing because one of the things that we've talked about is the isolation yeah. and the shame and just having a group 
a support group yeah. that understands that there is no shame, yeah. that there is no problem, there is no stigma, and that we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. We're all struggling and we're all here to help each other. I mean, that is the most powerful thing ever that a person who is struggling, the minute you offer them some support, even if you are struggling, mm-hmm. together you are so much stronger. <laughs> you are, really are. Yeah. So, you know, thank you for talking to us today and being so open. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for, you know, finding the strength to not only help yourself, but also now, you know, doing everything that you're doing to help other people. It's definitely the need of the hour. And I'm sure that anyone out there who's listening, you know, if you have... If you have any struggles, if you aren't able to cope, there is somebody out there who's ready to listen. Mm. There's a group of people who are ready to help There's you. There's a safe space Absolutely. <laughs> for you to come. Get in touch. Yeah. Thank you so much, Helen. It's oh, been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for you. having me. This is Kanchan Kulkarni saying goodbye for now and speak to you again soon. <laughs>